0: Welcome to the Far Shore, I'm James.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Andy, nice to
0: be back. It is nice to be back, it's like I forgot my name for a second there, I think I said it more of a question than, uh, than with the confidence am that, am I James? <laughs> no, I I am, I am James. You are, no, you are, well done, yeah. well done. So Andy, I'd like to talk about swearing, um, swearing oh, or, really? or cutting, yeah. So, Do you need um, to confess something? Uh, I don't, Andy, actually. Well, I do need to confess something. So, uh, as usual, I edit our podcasts in detail. Uh, and last week, I, I had to edit uh, some of what you were saying, Andy. Oh, really? <laughs> so, I, I don't. I I don't. I, I can't believe that. Well, what's, what's, that. what's funny about culture and about languages is that some words in some cultures are more uh, rude, I guess, or more... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? So offensive. <laughs> offensive. offensive. There you go. Thank you, Andy. My mind went blank. Uh, or more offensive than in other cultures too. Um, so I I ran the the gauntlet when I first came um, to the States of having to, uh, one, explain to Americans why certain British words that they heard on British shows over here were offensive. And also I had to, <laughs> From the gold on the opposite side of words that we say uh, with wanton abandon in in the UK, <laughs> uh, are actually offensive to Americans uh, yeah. so anyway so thanks to the beauty the beauty of editing last week I managed to save save the far shore's blushes having to put an explicit tag on on our podcast so
1: well i did i I did notice that you that you had taken out the the non-friendly American word that I said, but you did leave in the the British one. Uh, so <laughs> I did. <it> was... <laughs> and I did. And sharp listeners will will hear that,
0: but that doesn't yeah. that that doesn't count. So it's funny when I was on that we talked about short-term missions last last week, and when I spent my time in Kenya, we had uh, always um, German young short-term missionaries coming in, and they would speak very good English because the rest of Europe is very good at languages apart from us British people we're terrible at languages um, so they would come in and hang out with us and they would always use the f word uh, like as like as punctuation uh, all the time and everyone was super embarrassed but no one said anything so no one no one would say anything so that we'd be playing volleyball out there and they'd like miss the ball be like oh f and then you know whatever it was just anyway eventually i got to know them and i said hey do you guys know um about the f word <laughs> so I had this really awkward conversation uh with this group of young short termers about the f word and they're like well we just hear it they hear it on tv they hear it in movies a lot yeah. we just thought it's like yeah. a oh rubbish you know oh rats and i was like no actually this is this is what it is they were absolutely mortified That's... And they were upset because they were like, "No one's ever told us." No told. And yeah. I just think it's just that culturally awkward thing where probably it, everyone yeah. was like, oh, us not no say anything." Awkward. It's yeah, we're so. I we're remember so when so I. Uh... <laughs>
1: sorry. No, <go> <laughs> I remember when I uh, when I when, when I first arrived in Brazil, I I would pick up obviously words uh, playing playing soccer playing football with the Brazilians here. And a lot of them were not very friendly words. And I just repeated them all the time. I had no idea what I was talking about until I was told the same, that they were very naughty words. And then even when I tried to, to learn some Portuguese, I, I had a, a Portuguese from Portugal, uh, learn yourself Buck. And there are some words in Portuguese Portuguese that you cannot say in Brazilian Portuguese. They are swear words and so the word that you would say for girl in portugal is actually a very offensive term in brazil uh hapariga. there we go i've just offended all of our brazilian listeners uh, it means it, it, you're, if you call somebody that you're calling them basically like a whore like a prostitute it's a very offensive word and i and i was in a brazilian church once and they'd got the the, the foreign missionary bring him out to the front introduce yourself please to us and I would go up there and and I would try and say my broken Portuguese so I was I was introducing Rosie who was my girlfriend at the time oh, and I goodness. said in Portuguese I said this girl is my girlfriend in Portuguese. But I actually used oh, the no. Portuguese words. So I ended up calling Rosie a. I said, "This whore is my girlfriend." <laughs> in, in, front her, <laughs> in front of her,
0: the best, anyway. the best time. No, that's good. No, it's funny. We had uh, at our church growing up. We used to have uh, teams come in uh, from the states. Uh, they were from this place called Cape and Ray. I don't even know if Cape and Ray exists now or what it is now. But back in the eighties, they used to send teams out. Uh, across the UK and they'd run like vacation bible schools kids camps those kind of things and I remember a distinct one where a guy was up on the stage and again very conservative church uh, up on the stage he was giving his testimony and uh, dropped dropped a cuss word dropped a swear word I think it was an f word or something like that and then slowly we had one of those like pulpits um, that people spoke from, which was like it was covered on the front, so it was like a shell on the front that people stood behind the lectin, and he slowly sank behind uh, to hide behind the lectin, and he was still mic'd up, so you could just hear him saying, "Oh no, I
1: knew I was going to say
0: something like that."
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you might you might want to cut this one out, but I have another one. And uh, and it was always hilarious. There was a, a, a bigger friend of ours and he heard quite a, a bad joke. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the one that says, oh, I went to a zoo the other day. It was really, really a, a bad zoo. They only had a dog. It was a shit zoo. And so, <laughs> so he heard that joke, which is a little bit borderline. <laughs> And he thought I'm gonna tell this joke in his in his sermon, because you know, Brits they like to tell a joke at the beginning of, of, of their sermon. But he got a little bit nervous and he, he he got mixed up and he said, Oh, I went to the zoo the other day, it was a shit zoo. In front everybody. Oh. So <laughs> you can imagine, you can imagine what had happened there. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, there we go. Yeah, if we
0: leave that in. Um, oh, then... dude, that was fun. <laughs> leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's the reason why this this episode has an explicit tag. So, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, today's going to be a bit of a mismatch, right? It's going to be a mismatched <clears throat> episode. We're going to be uh, kind of talking about a few different things today. We're going to be talking about Revive a little bit, some of the updates that are happening there. Uh, we're going to be talking about the handover of Revive. And we're going to be talking about kind of uh, the wider idea or concept of foreign missionaries hanging, handing over uh, the work mm-hmm. to local nationals. And we're going to finish with talking about uh, the the the, <laughs> I don't know how to describe this, you know the the most depressing thing to come out of twenty twenty, which is COVID. Mm-hmm. We are going to kind yeah. uh, of talk about some of the impacts in Brazil, um, and the impacts on Revive, and kind of uh, moving forwards with that too. Okay, so let's mm. get into it. Okay, so Andy, um, how has things at Revive been? How are, how are things going? Uh,
1: yeah, quick update then from uh, from Revive. Uh, we received another girl uh, just um, a few weeks ago, and this one was quite interesting. Um, she she is 10 years old, I think, 10 or 11, and she has type 1 diabetes. And for those of you who, who know me and my family, you might know that our youngest daughter also has type 1 diabetes. Uh, she was diagnosed uh, just over a year ago. Um, and so it's very interesting. Uh, how God had, you know, managed to to make sure that this girl was sent to revive who who actually has quite a lot of experience in how to to take care of of diabetes. And this girl in the past year, she'd been in hospital over 30 times because of her, her diabetes. Her blood sugar was really, really high. She was in a coma once. And this is because either her family weren't able to or couldn't or didn't want to uh, look after uh, her condition. Um, They perhaps didn't really understand much about uh, insulin and glucose and giving her the right medication at the right time, food, all that kind of thing. Um, And so that's why she was brought into care, uh, because her family weren't coping, and she's now at Revive. And so it's been a bit of a steep learning curve for the rest of the staff. But thankfully, uh, Rosie, my wife, has given them uh diabetes 101 and uh and she's doing she's doing really well uh, thankfully her diabetes is kind of under control um but it, at least uh, she's at a place who 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 know how to care uh, for her and for that condition um that kind of opens has opened our eyes into how people who do suffer from diabetes here in brazil and who are dependent on the kind of free health system. It's terrible. It really, really is. And so this, this girl, sometimes we will go to the, the pharmacy to pick up her diabetes medication and they don't have it. There's no insulin. Um, and they don't have the needles that you need. You don't have, they don't have the blood test strips. And if you are poor enough to have to depend on the, the health service. That's terrible, how can, you, how can you control and care for a child who has diabetes if you don't have access to the life-saving medication that they, that they need? And so that's really opened up our eyes. You know, For our daughter, we are in a, in a position where, uh, where we're able to, to buy the medication that she needs and our mission agency refunds us. Um, so anyway, so that's been a bit of an eye-opener. And so do, uh, do pray for her. Uh, which is mm-hmm. very good. Yeah.
0: So in Brazil, just uh, just because I can ask questions. So the health system in Brazil, there is there is a free health system and there's a pay health system. Um, yeah. That's kind of how it works. Yeah.
1: It, it's kind of like a cross between the U.S. and the U.K. So they're, the worst, the worst of both. the worst of both, basically. They tried to. They they did actually. Um, based their free health system on the, on the NHS, which is the National Health Service in the UK. And so there is free medical care for those who need it, but it is very badly underfunded. Um, and so if, for people who have to rely on it, it's, it's, it's very precarious. But then also, if you have a little bit of money, you can access health insurance and then you have you know, similar to the U.S., you have lots of different health insurance providers, and and you pay, and you can get seen, and then sometimes if you get really sick, then your health insurance provider kicks up a fuss, saying we don't want to pay for that treatment. <laughs> so they have all you have like the worst of both of both systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, so that's that girl. Um, two just two more quick updates that people can be praying for. Uh, you might remember a few uh, months ago i mentioned the girl who had been who had been returned by her adoptive family she's currently um in the process of getting to know another family uh, and it seems to be going really well um they seem to be getting on uh, very well so hopefully she'll be able to go uh, to another family uh, fairly soon but that's going to be a bit of a challenge in itself uh, but so do be praying for that and then for one of our older girls who's been at Revive, oh, just over three years now, um, she still hasn't been able to be put on the adoption list because of her legal case. And her legal case is just um, people keep on appealing it and it goes to the higher courts in the land. And it's currently now at the kind of the highest court it can go to in Brasilia. And um, hopefully they will maintain the original decision, uh, which was to, for her to be adopted because her family aren't able to look after her. And then hopefully after three years, she'll be able to be put on, finally, on the adoption list. But this poor girl has had to wait three years in limbo of not being able to be put on the adoption list, not being able to return to a biological family. So it's as if she's lost three years of, of her life obviously the older you get the less likely it is to be adopted so she's now you know 13 uh, and and has unfortunately fairly slim chances of being adopted uh, but at least she'll be able to be put on the list fairly soon and so for people who pray do pray that she'll be able to find uh, a, a decent family who will be able to accept her and love her for for who she is mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah Thanks, Andy. No, there's some good updates. I know the other kind of big thing that's bubbling away in the background at revive is your transition uh, coming up mm-hmm. later on this year in August. So um what what's kind of the plan right now as it stands? Uh what does it look like? I know we've briefly talked about this before, um, but we have mm-hmm. a little bit more time today. So kind of what, what does the plan plan look like?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, for, for those of you who are listening for the first time, or perhaps have forgotten the big news, um, I'm going to be taken on the position of Director of uh, International Mission for the Church Mission Society, which is a, a 200 or so year old mission agency founded back in the day by Will, William Wilberforce and a few of the friends around the, uh, the time of the abolition of the slave trade. So I'll be taking on that uh, role from uh, September uh, onwards. And so yeah, it's gonna be a really uh, cool adventure. I'll be responsible for all of the mission work that CMS do. And there are currently about 200 missionaries scattered around the world. Um, And so I'll be uh, running the international team. And so hopefully directing them and having a bit of an influence on, on on the on the work that CMS do uh, in global mission so it's going to be a pretty pretty cool role to get into and very exciting uh, to build on the work that we've done uh, here in Brazil but obviously that does mean that Rosie and I and the family we will be moving back to the UK um, by September and that has has asked the big question of what is going to happen to revive uh, here yeah. Uh, obviously we will have to move on and it's time for other people to to take it over and so we're still going through the transition at the moment um but it would be i would consider it a real failure of our leadership if when we do move on we need to get people in from the outside to take over uh revive so either another foreign missionary through cms or somebody else uh, would have to come in and take over, revive. I would consider that a real failure in our leadership because the primary work of any leader is to be investing in your replacements, to be building other people up so that when the time comes, they can uh, take over. And so we're very blessed that we have a great local leadership team here, uh, some great Brazilians who have been with us for, for many, many, many years, who are more than capable of stepping up and taking uh, taking uh, revive on and so that's the plan is that revive will now be handed over to local leadership uh, Rosie and i will continue uh, to be involved in the revive family uh, through the uk board of directors we will continue to be revive uh, trustees uh, but our involvement with revive brazil in a in a very direct sense will will end and we will pass that on to the local leaders. Yeah.
0: No, I think that's really cool. I think it brings up a question, Andy. I, I know, because we've spoken and known each other for a long time, you know, I know your heart has always been to kind of raise up uh, local leaders and train up um, national directors. Uh, I know it's a little bit different because uh, you're married to a Brazilian. So in some ways, you know, your wife is a <laughs> is a national yeah. uh, running, running Revive. Uh, mm-hmm. But I know that this isn't the norm. Well, like, normally... Well, I I don't hear many stories of missionaries going for a a long-term missionaries going for a set period of time, looking to basically work themselves out of a job. Um, So do you think it's something that was just, where do you think that kind of philosophy came for you? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is it something that you always had a heart for raising up national
1: leaders or was it something you just came to appreciate as being important? um yeah, I suppose it's a, it's a mixture of things I mean we've had experiences in the past of of people who it's you know it's called the founders syndrome of when you have started something and it is yours it's your baby uh, you are very suspicious of of people you know getting close to having any influence or power or leadership over the thing that you've created and so sometimes founder syndrome if it's not worked out means that that person never passes on responsibility for the thing that they have created and if they do pass it on uh, it stays within the family uh, because family are perhaps the only people that they would that they would trust and i think so we've had lots of different experiences of different levels of founder syndrome over the over the years, and so when we came to start Revive, um, I think we were very aware of now that we are founders, we don't want to to commit those perhaps same same errors. And usually, it's very subconscious. It, you, people perhaps don't realise that they're being very controlling and closed, and you know, very protective over something that they've created. So ever since the get-go with Revive, we've we've tried to to have a very diverse Leadership team, as a foreigner, that I didn't want to create something uh, which was completely dependent on me, um, because if 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 people do create something which is completely dependent on them, and then either they die <laughs> or they or they move on somewhere else, then the work um, crumbles. Um, and so and so that's what we've we've tried to do at Revive and hopefully it will definitely happen um, when the new leaders step in uh, to our roles. Um, Revive's work, the great work that they do uh, will continue and we've been able to create something which is not dependent on on us which is a really cool thing.
0: That's good and I think I think there's probably a lot of organizations where it doesn't happen and unfortunately I think a lot of the times in the church I mean Uh, it doesn't Mm. happen you know in a church you have a very kind of pyramid structure where you have a lead pastor and then there's positions underneath but you know as people are are trained up in the church or discipled hopefully in the church there's a ceiling to what they can do because you know Mm. there's only one person that's allowed to teach on a sunday there's only one person that's allowed to do music so lots of Mm. people they don't get to develop their gifts and i think part of discipling people part of training people is this idea that that we're training up our replacements
1: and yeah. it's, you yeah. have to
0: be very um i don't know anti western anti culture mm-hmm. to to train to think that way to think that i'm going to train up my replacement like I, yeah. i'm going to train up someone that's better than me doing mm-hmm. uh, and and be willing to recognize uh, that people could be better than you and they could have different yeah. ideas and do it differently I think that's yeah. terrifying to a lot of leaders. Uh, yeah. This idea that that yeah that someone can and step some in their shoes easily, and I think it's it's a lot more complex when it's involved with a job. Okay, much more complex. Mm. If this is your job, like if we're talking about the church, you're you're a, a paid ministry position, um, and you're training up someone to take your ministry position. But again, that that maybe just points a little finger towards the brokenness. Uh, the yeah. of the system so but yeah. but Andy I have to say like um do you think that that philosophy is something that a lot of long-term missionaries have because oftentimes long-term missionaries they go and, and they're gone they 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 spend their lifetimes out there do you think mission agencies need to rethink um their philosophy when it comes to long-term missionaries
1: mm. Yeah no I think I think the way that mission needs to be done um, in the future is that the demand for help from the outside, so like for foreign missionaries, for example, coming into Brazil, that that demand needs to be locally led, and so if a local church in Brazil or a mission organisation here recognises a need uh, for a gifted individual from the west to come in and work alongside them and to partner with them then then that would be great uh, to, to, for the long-term missionary to come at the invitation of the local uh, the local leadership and that that long-term missionary is is working with and supporting um uh, the organization in its in its work rather than sometimes local foreign missionaries coming in without being invited (laughs) by by some by by the locals and then sometimes trying to set up something which perhaps is not even needed or in sometimes in competition with 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 other churches Um, i think that's that's not the greatest thing Um, sometimes long-term missionaries i think we need to well there are two things i think we need to be very aware of first of all is to to base our value on the work that we are doing and so sometimes for example if you've been in a country for a long time it's perhaps time for you to hand over the work to another leader but if your value in yourself is tied to the work that you do you suddenly, maybe subconsciously, you think that by handing over the work and then you not having any more role or purpose also means that you also have no value. And so I think sometimes uh, leaders and long-term missionaries, they struggle with transition um, because they've been so dedicated for so long in their lives, to the work that they do, that sometimes they can't even imagine what they would do without it and it's the same for lots of people even in the secular mm-hmm. world coming up to retirement and you suddenly have to grapple with the facts of oh am i i'm not worth anything anymore if i'm you know if i've got if i've got no work then what contribution am i making to society so it's not just a, a thing that missionaries have to have to deal with it's something that you know lots of people have to deal with but the second thing that missionaries have to deal with is perhaps specific to us. And and I get this a lot um, when I've gone back to the UK or even in the, in the US talking about the work that we do. Quite often people say to me, Andy, oh, you're amazing. You're amazing. The work that you do, oh, 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 oh I couldn't do that. You are amazing. I, I and n- I've never said that to you, Andy. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to
0: that's what good friends. Do.
1: That's what good yeah. friends are for—not to tell you. People do that, and if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you start to think I, 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 they're right. I am amazing. This is this is all about me. Look at this. I am truly amazing for the work that I do and the recognition that I get for it. And suddenly, perhaps, especially missionaries in 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 our line of work have to be very, very careful not to let that go to their head because. That will also mean that they will never want uh, to let other people into that limelight. Um, they want to be amazing for a long time and they perhaps don't want to stop uh, stop that. And then suddenly the, the purpose of your work suddenly becomes all about um, getting your name to be bigger and better and brighter than perhaps the people that you're working for. Um, Anyway, so, there's, so those, those are two things which are very uh, uh, difficult for missionaries to go to through.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's it you know, just listening to you, it is complex. Like, you know, I, I'm not saying there's a, I, I think as I ask those questions, I'm not actually thinking of a solution. I'm not thinking of a different mm-hmm. model. I think I I I just see it in society in general. And I think, again, attached to this discipleship idea that oftentimes we, um we're not willing to to train people up to replace ourselves like and that yeah. that's that's what discipleship really would take is is bringing people yeah. up never if if we're discipling people if we're training people possibly properly it's not that we're always staying ahead of them it's that we're bringing mm. them up to our level we're bringing them up right. to, to be peers um yeah you know we're not trying to always be in charge i mean that's not that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Jesus no. said. He didn't want us to be leaders or he wanted us to be servants. He wanted us to be servant yeah. leaders. So he didn't exactly. want us to always lord it over people. Um, yeah. he wanted us to, to serve others. Um, yeah. and, and to serve well, others to, to push people in front of you. So,
1: yeah. 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 Even, even some of the cultural, um, considerations were, were quite interesting this time, even with the revive team. So when we gathered our leadership team together. And I, we said to them, look, you know, obviously they they knew that we were leaving, and we were like, guys, are you are you ready to step up? And suddenly, they they said, what you mean? There's not going to be another another CMS missionary coming to take your place? There's not going to be another English person coming to take your place? Even they kind of ingrained in their head, kind of thought that, you know, the Brits will or the Americans will take control because that's their role in the world mm-hmm. and actually when i said no definitely not that's not what at all what we want you know it's you guys who are going to take it on there was tears crying because they sometimes perhaps they hadn't realized it before was that you know we trusted them completely that they were capable of of, of taking it on and so i think even it's a kind of it's a reinforcing circle for foreign missionaries they sometimes don't want to let go of power because maybe because a because they love it because it makes them feel good b because of founder's syndrome and so they don't trust people to take it on and uh, and i can't remember what the other one was but <laughs> but, <it> was <laughs> but for all of those reasons it kind of reinforces some of the, the local mentality of inferiority of 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 not feeling capable or not feeling worth um and that's something that needs to be broken and we need to realize that actually local people can do a much better job in mission in discipleship than actually americans or brits can do around the world Mm -hmm. Um, they can do it much better in their own
0: culture well it's it's a little bit like we talked about short-term missions last week too we don't necessarily understand the culture of the place we're working in so we're um, we may look at, um, a nationals way of doing things. And I think last week he used the example of being like, oh, we could say they're lazy or we could say, oh, this is not the way I do it. This isn't efficient. Um, but actually it's probably more effective, um, because mm-hmm. it fits more in with culture rather than trying to bring in kind of Western, uh, yeah. ideas of mm-hmm. thinking, um, whether it's about time or about money or about relationships, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and mess things up or not be as effective. Um, with those things yeah. too. And that that measure of effectiveness is a funny one too. That's funny. We talked about that ages ago, one of our first podcasts, mm-hmm. we talked about yeah. success. Yeah. Again, that that whole idea of what, what does success look like? So last but not least today, so um, COVID, COVID-19, mm-hmm. it's been kind of a shadow. We haven't spoken about it too much on, on our podcasts, uh, just because plenty of people are hearing about COVID all the time on news and radio, uh, wherever they are in the world. Um, I think it's such an interesting thing. It's like this global pandemic where uh, no country has been untouched by it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's something that definitely uh, has brought the world together in terms of uh, being able to discuss, (laughs) hey, there's definitely something we can talk about because everyone's had some experience of, of what it means for them. Um, I think we've mentioned the last couple of weeks, Brazil's been in the news a lot recently, uh, especially the major cities in Brazil have had big outbreaks. I know that mm. India um, has yeah. recently been topping the charts in a negative way uh, in mm. terms of the crises that are happening there. Um, you know, So I, I know that sometimes when we talk about the kind of global impact of COVID, um, it's hard for us to recognize some of the local impacts. Um, that mm-hmm. it's had to. So, I know that um, Revive recently had some some sad news. Um,
1: yeah. If you want to share that. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, I mean, thankfully, Revive has has kind of survived COVID pretty well. Um, you know, we haven't had any cases amongst the girls, and you know, the the house is quite a a safe COVID secure place, which has been which has been very good. And long may that continue. Um, but we did have the sad news a few weeks ago of of one of the uh, adopted parents of three girls from Revive, and they adopted them a, a few years ago. Brilliant Christian couple. Um, oh my word! His 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 love and uh, dedication to those to those girls was tremendous. In those, especially in the very early days, the very difficult days, uh, he he wouldn't. Um, Give up on those on those girls. And anyway, we we had the sad news that that he died uh, because of COVID. Uh, Azias uh, was his name, and you know, relatively young guy, um, and now has left obviously his wife and uh, and these three adoptive uh, girls uh, to uh, to look after. And we we last saw them in January. And uh, We kept in touch with them obviously quite a lot, and. And he he was always very supportive of the kind of fostering and adoption work that Revive was doing, and you know we went to speak in his church, and he was always one of the kind of um, uh, big advocates for for adoption. His example, and so yeah, that was a really sad sad loss uh, to not just to the Revive family, but uh, but to the city uh, in general. What a what a wonderful guy he was. And, yeah, it brought, you know, the dangers of COVID, uh, you know, screaming home uh, uh, to us as well, which was which was very, very sad. So do be praying for his wife, Carmen, and for the three uh, wonderful girls that they uh, that they have. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is.
0: It is tough. And I think it's stories like that that do, you know, whatever whatever your view on the mm. politics of this pandemic has been however yeah. you feel about how the government's responding there really is lives that have been uh, impacted um yeah by, by this pandemic too um yeah. and it's yeah it's difficult to difficult to process sometimes mm. to process that situation so that's right uh, and it's it's funny i know we've we were talking just before we started chatting on on the, the podcast today but i think sometimes when you live in areas that are relatively unaffected um, so mm. where I live in California, we live in a rural area, um, so the, the numbers of people that have been affected by COVID are uh, much, much lower um, yeah. than if I lived in Los Angeles or New York mm. or, you yeah. know, the major cities uh, here in America um, where where the, you know, the scale of tragedies are a lot, a lot larger. And it's easy yeah. to become complacent when you live in a rural mm. area. Um, yeah, so stories yeah. like that, yeah, like you say, kind of um, mm. bring bring the reality screaming home. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. But there is there is light. There is light on the horizon. I, I saw in the news today that experts in the UK are declaring that the pandemic is over in the UK because of the drastic reduction in cases over 90% reduction because of the vaccinations mm. um, so they say that it's not a pandemic anymore for them it's a, an, an endemic obviously now in, in England or in the UK uh, so yeah so hopefully you know there is you know there is there's is hope yeah. uh, well and exist. hopefully you know
0: hopefully unfortunately because of the disparage disparity between disparity 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 yeah, we need a dictionary. We need someone. We need an English coach, Andy, on our podcast with us to help. <laughs> we, we, I think you dropped a Portuguese word earlier on, by the way, in our conversation. But, um, you know, just because with the West access to vaccines, you know, yeah. um, obviously the UK and America is far, far ahead of yeah. um, other parts of the world, um, less economically developed parts of the world, um, you know, so it's one of the sad facts of of our world economy is that yeah. once 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 the rich have been vaccinated then we'll think about the poor um yeah, that's right so yeah, yeah. so in yeah. A, like you know looking at it in a negative way but a positive way as as the as the rich are vaccinated that will stop mm. open up um kind of vaccine supplies for yeah uh, for poorer poor countries too so yeah. yeah yeah which which unfortunately you know and it's the same within a country itself the the poorest parts of the states are the worst affected and then mm-hmm. in a country yeah. like India with high rates of poverty, um, yeah again, one of the worst That's effects countries too.
1: So yeah. Great. Well there we go. I think we packed in quite a few a few things into our um MISC, misc pod. Miscellaneous um,
0: yeah, pod, yes. Miscellaneous. I don't know what's it. To- I don't want to call this, you know, Andy. I had this great idea at the beginning of our podcast where I was going to come up with all these fancy names uh, for our different. And to start off with, I had this idea of like naming every podcast after like an eighties movie. So if you look back at some of the titles, there is like there is some of them you can work out the vague, the vague <laughs> relation to either a Star Wars movie or or a nineteen eighties movie. Uh, but unfortunately I ran out of steam because sometimes it's just really hard because we talk about a subject and I'm like, I have no idea how to, uh, how to <laughs> It'll basically we'll just start just to call them like number, number 11. Yeah. Number 11, the miscellaneous one. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I hope you've all enjoyed it and found something useful uh, in it. And it's been really good to have you all with us on the far shore. Yeah. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week.
0: Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at thefarshore at reviveinternational.net. To learn more about the work of Revive International, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, revive-international.org. Please subscribe to keep track of new episodes. We look forward to you joining us on our next journey being called to The Far Shore.